This episode discusses topics around mental health that might disturb some listeners. If you are affected, please contact your nearest medical support immediately. For Australian listeners, you can contact Lifeline on 131114. Welcome everyone to Mind Tuning. I'm Martina. And I am Will. And today we're going to explore the song... Mm. <laughs> it didn't even occur to me how stupid I would sound saying that. Okay. And today we'll explore the song. Mm-mm-mm. I think it's. <laughs> I think you're wrong, Anna. I think it's. By the Crash Test Dummies. The song came out on October 1, 1993, and appeared on the album God Shuffled His Feet. And the song uh, addresses self-consciousness, I guess. Uh, It doesn't address bullying specifically. However, I felt like it was kind of implied. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't talk about bullying specifically, you're right. But in that second example, it talks about the girl who wouldn't get dressed or changed in front of the other girls in the change room, which I guess anticipates bullying. But you're right, there's no... There's no actual bullying. And funny you should start with even that verse because I myself have quite large birthmarks on my body and up until my late teens, I was incredibly self-conscious about them. Yeah, right. Uh, One of which uh, uh, appears on my upper arm as a result of which until my late teens, I wore T-shirts that came down to my elbow because I didn't want to show my upper arm. Never got bullied about it. No one ever said anything about it. No one ever even noticed it when I started showing up, showing my arms. Because in summer, it got warm and I got tired of it. And I thought, whatever, I'll just deal with the, the bullying. Mm-hmm. No one even noticed it. Uh, I had to mention it to people and people would suddenly go like, oh, that's right. You have a birthmark there. I never noticed. And it's, it's incredible the things we put ourselves through out of fear of, of that bullying, out of fear this crippling fear of being different and being bullied. Right. Which I suppose can also be justified because kids have been bullied for much less. Kids have committed suicide from the bullying. So so it is a legitimate fear. And it's sad that both of these things happen, the bullying and the, the self-consciousness. Once there was this girl who wouldn't go and change with the Girls in the change room and when they finally made her they saw birthmarks all over her body She couldn't quite explain that they'd always just been there Yeah, I, one of the great parts of this song is that it does mention relatable uh, examples like that. And there is this anticipation, let's say, with the second uh, story of uh, bullying. 
And then I, I also like how in that verse, the lyrics say that she didn't want to change in front of the other girls in the change room. But then she also kind of says really, or the person speaking on her behalf says that she said quite matter of factly, well, they've always just been there. And I think that's one of my favorite parts of this song or favorite themes or expressions of this song is that the singing tone is so flat and so ho-hum and there's a lot of emotion in there but it comes across as very almost monotone in a way and deliberately and I guess that's what contributed to the popularity because it's so novel and so different and even with the first story I think with the kid whose hair color changed when there was the car crash and so this is described quite matter-of-factly. And it gives me the sense of these people who experienced adversity and had these songs or these stories about adversity. They felt it. They felt the, the uh, isolation maybe or the perceived isolation from the physical um, abnormalities they felt they had. But the way that it was expressed was also quite low-key. Um, and, and some of the wording around the self consciousnesses of those physical, uh, abnormalities was quite low key compared to some of the overly dramatic ways that people might present themselves or present their, uh, insecurities now. And I, I think, yes, uh, in, in, in that, that monotone low key aspect of it, I, I wonder if maybe it wasn't deliberate in terms of they're trying to minimize the drama uh, uh, or eliminate yeah. the drama of it and and just say, these are all normal things. There's no reason for you to feel ashamed, for right. you to feel self-conscious about it, for you to not like it or, or think it's any different. It's so normal. It's always been there or it just mm. happened. It's absolutely natural and there's nothing to, there's no reason to hide it or want to hide it. Once there was this kid who got into an accident and couldn't come to school, but when he finally came back, his hair had turned from black into bright white. Said that it was from when the Kazakh smashed so hard. The stories are all about children, um, but I think this also very much applies to adults or to someone of any any age. We all go through, uh, or, or we all have these things or aspects of ourselves that we don't like, that we wish were different, um, that we try to hide or change or disguise. And it's a shame that we still do this as a society. It's definitely cultural pressure, even though it may be self-imposed. I think sometimes also with the, the distinction between the way the stories are told in the song, it's almost like the actual singer's voice is presented in the, the, the chorus, in the mm-mm-mm-mm. And in one regard, it sounds like he's doing, or he's responding in a way that says, yeah, you know, this... This happens. It's no big deal. But then there's also in it a slight sense of suspicion 
that the person is underplaying the gravity of what they're talking about. So when, for instance, the girl says, you know, the birthmarks have always just been there. In one regard, it feels like the mm response is, yeah, like they have always been there. And in another regard, it's like, mm, okay, okay, yeah, I, I believe you, um, if, that's your, if you can have that impression of it. If I may, though, I, the girl doesn't actually say that they've always been there. So in the first story, the boy does say, and it says, he said that it was from when the cars had smashed so hard. Right. But with the girl story, uh, it goes, they saw birthmarks all over her body. She couldn't quite explain it. They'd always uh, just been so there. So she isn't actually the so one saying it. She doesn't actually say it. It's just a thought process. It's just her thinking, realizing maybe that right. there is some attention to the birthmarks or, or confirming what she had feared this whole time, that there is attention on the birthmarks and in, in they've always been there. She can't explain it. And again, there's no mention of bullying. And, and I think it could go both ways. It could be like, you see how nothing happens. No one said anything. Yeah. And yeah. Your, your fears were, were just silly because no one cares. But also you can look at it with an underlying bullying ensued. So is it in the next verse or the bridge when the boy and the girl say that they were glad that another kid had it wor- had life worse than they had it? Exactly. That's the bridge. And that, yeah, that's the brutality of children, how <laughs> cruel they can be, unfortunately. And I remember specifically about this. My brother was chubby as a kid and never got bullied for being chubby because in his class there was another chubby kid and he right. had, quote-unquote, a weaker personality. And, and so the entire class bullied the other kid for being chubby. And my brother, who was just as chubby, never got bullied once in his life. He was also very self-conscious about it. He was aware. He was uncomfortable with it, but must have thought, thank God the other kid has it worse than me. So then I'm racing through the verses with the third verse and the third kid. And when he says, he talks about his parents making a scene at church and he remarks, I think the words are, he couldn't quite explain it. They'd always just gone there to this particular church. And so I suppose one interpretation could be, therefore, that he was quite distressed and he and he was distressed at the fact that he couldn't explain why his parents were behaving this way at church. And another... So wait, what, what do you mean then when you say his parents made a scene at church? One of, the, one of the readings of this could be that the parents were doing the whole Pentecostal speaking in tongues, throwing themselves around on the floor, going, you know, they're out of control in that hysteric kind of particularly in the 90s, there was that real fad of people going to church and behaving like that. And I suspect it could be something like that. Yes, yes, uh, okay. And, and, and so that could be embarrassing to him, but at the same time he's like, they always just went to that church, so he should have seen it all the time. 
And so it's not just his family no, no, at not. the church that was behaving differently. Then you get to that point where you, people really were speaking in tongues and were whipped up into an absolute frenzy on a Sunday morning, whereas half an hour before they'd been perfectly mildly mannered. Yes. And so part of his confusion, I guess, is, is around that, if, if that's part of the transition. Um, and then the question is, is he distressed by it? And he says, you know, I can't explain it. They've always and, and he's conflicted by that mentally and, and and then the song comes in and it's, it's like mm, you know this is what happens in life it's, it's no big deal or is is the kid actually speaking from that kind of perspective too and he's like yeah I can't explain it you know we've always just gone there yeah um, exactly and I think it I, I thought that one example could apply to any cultural differences. For example, I remember as a kid, my parents being South American immigrants, we ate different food. Mm. And also something I was self-conscious about, if I invited people over, if we didn't have your normal Western food, I was worried that, you know, they they might find it weird or disgusting or not want to eat it. Um, And I can imagine, you know, uh, people from other cultures being self-conscious about having their friends over. Their parents were going to speak in tongues. Their parents were going to speak in tongues, (laughs) play music that was not Western, wear clothes that were not typical Western clothes. Right. And so this example was church, but I I felt like it could have applied to a number of cultural differences. There was this boy whose parents made him come directly home right after school. So do you think then that the chorus, the refrain, mm-mm-mm, because I always thought of it as this kind of third eye looking out over the world and just observing things happening and going, hmm, this is just life, right? But now I'm also thinking that maybe it's somewhat like in Seinfeld with the serenity now thing, when you were distressed and or when you were feeling anxiety or when you were in one of these three situations, you might hum this to yourself. Do you think it's meant to be just a commentary or is it meant to be a technique? I, I think it's neither. Um, oh, okay. Also, I thought we had seen this or read this together that the chorus was actually a songwriter who didn't know what to have for a chorus. And as a filler for when he was writing the song to demo right. it to his bandmates and the, the label just sang, you know, sure. hummed, hummed away saying, you know, we're just going to fill in and find a chorus, but this is, you know, the gist of the song. And in the end, the chorus never really needed a, uh, the, sorry, the song never really needed oh, a so, chorus. But now it takes on like this, uh, this character of being like this overseeing, all knowing observer who will put everything into perspective. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, probably. I think certainly that humming uh, does help with the feeling of, of along with the tone. Uh, the tone is very important. Minimizing and trying to remove the drama 
from these situations yeah. and trying to normalize it. Yeah, it feels like an anthem for the mundanity of adversity. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's perfectly said. And also even his his facial expression, if you, look at it, <laughs> if you watched a video, I felt like he had this look of raise your shoulders and just say like, it's nothing, no need to make a fuss about it. Yeah, and I think when I first heard the song and first saw the video clip, I did think it was three kids who were out of control or at least very affected by their circumstances and this one separate voice and much more mature mind that was able to put it into perspective retrospectively. Uh, I think now it might be a little bit more complicated and maybe some of the kids are actually channeling some of this Zen. It depends on who is speaking some of the lines. As I said, whether the kid is saying in church that he thinks it's no big deal or whether it's only coming from an outside commentator like the singer of the song. Yeah, and, and people who've listened to this song uh, will relate to it in a different way based on their personal experience. I personally never got bullied, so I tend to view it in a less violent way, if you will, where mm. the, the bullying doesn't actually occur and this is the narrator just saying there's no big deal. But I'm tempted to, to say that people who have been bullied and who would listen to that song would relate to it in a, a much stronger way, in a much more negative way, probably. Yeah, right. And, and anticipating the bully to happen. Yeah, I wonder if, just say you were experiencing bullying or if you were embarrassed by your parents' ridiculous behaviour in certain circumstances. I wonder if listening to this song would just make you feel, like if it would trigger those anxieties or if it would be calming, because it's a beautiful song, sonically, the... It has lovely little keyboard parts in it or piano parts in it. And the vocal's obviously very calming. But the lyrical content could be could be triggering for people. I don't know. I'm sure it would. It certainly, for me, brought so many memories back of my childhood, the, the birthmarks, but my parents being different. My parents have a very strong mm. Latin accent. And that also, I was conscious of yeah. it. And I remember being extremely embarrassed of the clothes my mom wore. And she would pick me up from daycare and primary school. And uh, I could not bear the fact that she didn't wear normal Western clothes. And we also had no money. So she didn't have gloves or mittens. She had put on socks on her hands in winter. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember being so embarrassed about it. No one ever brought it up. None of my friends ever picked up on it, saw it and made fun. No one ever made fun of me for any of the things I was incredibly embarrassed about. I'm um, sure if they tried, you would have um, beat them up. <laughs> well, maybe they were, yeah, maybe I had that RBF going yeah. on already early on and they were like, best not to mess with her. So for me, it triggered things. Thankfully, all my experiences other than, you know, this internal shame never uh, went farther than that. But if the song triggered these memories, I can only imagine, yeah, that people who have trauma from their childhood could, could easily get triggered by that song. And I think I could be rewriting history, with, but I think when it did come out, it was a bit of an uneasy song to listen to. It was definitely different from the charts, the very sombre song in a way. So it could have been pretty live as well for people who were experiencing something that they were embarrassed about. That's and right. Yeah. And potentially also healing in retrospect 
listening to it now, listening to that tone and the, the realizing how undramatic exactly. their, their issues were yeah. and kind of coming to terms with it. Yeah.